The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. This is Jonathan Medina from Lorcana HQ, and you're listening to I Rebel, a Lorcana podcast. <clears throat> Here is a baby with eyes of blue, straight from heaven, right to you. Or, straight from heaven, up above, here is a baby for you to love. Sign here, please. I'm a strong one, I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I'm with mountains, I'm with churches, and I glow because I know what my worth is. Welcome back, Illuminators, to Iubel, where fandom meets hobby. I am your host, Jedi Geek Girl. Listeners, we have talked about the D23 promos, being prepared for the game, and what got us into Lakana. For this episode, we are next going to be diving into community. For this topic, I cannot think of anyone better to join us to talk about this topic than the founder of the Locana HQ Discord himself, Medina, a.k.a. Jonathan. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've It's been kind of busy lately. Um, I just recently opened a uh, local game store, and so just trying to optimize the space and figure out like what goes where and stuff like that. And so I'm just coming off of a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't have to contend with the snowstorm that we had here in Minnesota. Oh, no, I did not. Actually, it's um, it's warming up a little bit out here, which I'm very grateful for. We had a really, like, cold ice storm a couple weeks back. But now it was, like, t-shirt weather the other day. Like, it's been great. Kind of a little jealous of you, but I also kind of like the snow as long as I'm not driving into it, in it, you know? It's nice to look at, that's for sure. <laughs> Since this is your first appearance on our show, could you please tell our listeners about yourself and your history with Disney? Yeah, um, so my name is Jonathan Medina. I've been a long-time, I guess, game enthusiast. Uh, when I was younger, I used to play uh, Star Wars, the card game from Decipher Inc. I used to play a, um, a Christian card game called Redemption. Back then, it was kind of like bad to play magic because magic was considered the devil's game, you know. But um, I used to make board games and stuff like that. So I would say, like, I'm more of a game enthusiast than a Disney enthusiast. But it's hard to be, like, part of the cultural realm without having some interaction with Disney. You know, I, I grew up in California, so one of the big things growing up was going to Disneyland. You know, that was the... You know, it was one of the special things we would do as a family is go to Disneyland. 
you know, I have those kind of like that kind of architecture where like Disneyland was always a great place for family memories. You know, growing up, I watched all the Disney movies. I wouldn't say like I was I'm not I wouldn't, I'm not like a Disney adult, you know, but I do have a lot of just kind of background interaction with the Disney brand. You mentioned that you aren't a Disney adult, and I just have to comment on that because I think when you watch Disney as an adult, you react more than when you are a kid. Like, I remember watching a Disney movie where I just watched it, but as an adult, I would watch the same movie and then cry. There are deeper, like, obviously the movies are made by adults, so, like, the themes and the turn of events and stuff recorded in the movie, there's some adult undertones. And so, yeah, as an adult, you can watch it, and it just hits different. At the time of this recording, does anything Disney-related outside of Lacana have your attention? And if it does, what is it? Well, Disney owns everything right now, so, I mean, obviously, things like... I enjoyed the Marvel movies. I love Star Wars, grew up as a big Star Wars fan. I would say, like, that's a fandom that I kind of would go out of my way to pursue or to enjoy would be the star wars fandom and now that's disney you know when i think about disney i think about the classic you know little mermaid lion king disneyland you know that kind of thing but yeah i i wouldn't say like what has my attention right now i'll be honest like i said i just opened this lgs this local game store like that has my attention right now (laughs) like there's not a lot of room for anything else to have my attention other than my family and my business that i'm trying to grow How about your interest in Lakana? What was it about Lakana that really stood out to you and drew you to it? So when Lakana was announced, I was very interested. I had just got done doing like what I would call like a post-mortem analysis of flesh and blood. What that means is like, basically I made investments as a business in flesh and blood and investments as a community builder in flesh and blood. So I have a magic community that is kind of built around the stream that I do in the in the game store. It's called Alchemist Refuge. What I tried to do was bring flesh and blood into that. I tried to build a community around flesh and blood within the Alchemist Refuge community. And it didn't work, to be like just frank. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I also analyzed like the financials of flesh and blood and It had a pretty rough year last year financially, you know, as far as the products holding value, the singles holding value and stuff like that. So yeah, so it had a downturn last year and I was just analyzing why. I said, okay, why is this happening? And what I realized was that there is no casual expression of the game. So there's no casual expression of flesh and blood. And what that leads to is just a certain market being kept interested and the casual players who came with interest have kind of fallen out because it's a low variance competitive game so i realized oh there's no casual iteration and this has made the game suffer from a community building standpoint and from a financial standpoint and so let's circle back to lorcana the initial announcement that they made was that they were going to be less confrontational And so I was like, wow, this game, I already feel like it has the bones, like from reading that article, it has the bones to be like, to fill the spot, like to be successful where flesh and blood was not. And me, you know, I have two children, you know, a five-year-old and eight-year-old. 
I was like, oh, this would be really cool for them as well. They enjoy the Disney movies and like they would love to do like collecting of this. Disney typically has like a wholesome kind of brand. And that's kind of my brand that I've built like with Alchemist Refuge. We're kind of built around, you know, it's a wholesome community. It's family friendly, you know, and like Disney just goes like fits in there like a glove. So I just got really excited about the opportunities that the game could bring, you know, in community building, in building a business and whatnot. I think you mentioned something that is so important that the casual players and inviting them to a game is so important. And I realized, and I know, and I accept that there's many different categories that fall into a game being successful and forming communities, which we'll dive into our main topic here in a second. But the casual aspect is a cause that I champion a little bit. And I think what you just said just reinstates why I feel so passionate about the casual side of it. So you can have a community and you're not leaving that community out and not creating a place to have that. Even if flesh and blood is successful from a competitive point of view, I think it is fascinating that point that you just made. Yeah, that's something that people cannot forget when they approach a game. Because I know some people are ultra competitive and I think sometimes when we fall into a certain category, we tend to forget about the other side of a game. Right. It's it, And it's not that competitive is bad or anything like that. But what you have to realize is that casual has always carried the market for games. It sounds a little bit like money centric to be like, oh, casual carries the market. The casual market is the one that drives the prices and the money. That's an important thing because without money, the game doesn't exist. Like if people are not spending money on it, then the people who create the game, right? Like Ravensburger, you know, is not going to be able to, you know, continue to invest in it if people are not spending money. And so like, that's why the market is so important. The thing about the competitiveness is it's always a small percentage. Well, I don't want to say always, let me frame it in this way. In Magic, the competitive market is a small market compared to the casual market. And some people will say, oh, that's just a new thing because of Commander. That is not a new thing. It's always been that way. Wizards used to have this name for the casual players. They were called the Invisibles. And these players, they were called the Invisibles because Wizards could not track or understand them. They just knew that there was this bunch of different players who would play at their kitchen table. I know that's another word for kitchen table players, right? And they knew that they were coming into game stores and stuff and just buying stuff, but not sticking around, not being part of that, you know, competitive tournament scene. What happened is when Commander came around, it kind of put a face to the Invisibles. And so now, I mean, Wizards has completely, like, marketed toward Commander. I mean, everything is Commander. Magic is Commander, essentially. And so the reason they've done that is because they understand that the Invisibles are the ones who carry the game. They carry the market. And so when you don't have that expression, the casual expression, you don't have, A, the community, and you don't have the backing to build the game. And Flesh and Blood, they're doing a good job of what they've done in this recent time is they've resized, I believe. They've resized their printing and their other stuff to fit the smaller community of competitive players. And they are working on a casual expression of the game. So I think their plan, resize, get small, and then release this casual expression and expand. I think that's what they're trying to do as a game. 
And I wish them luck. You know, I hope they pull it off because that's going to be really important to the life of the game. This is so fascinating. And I'm going to put this topic here a little bit on the back burner a little bit until we get to our main topic and maybe expand upon it more. But moving on to our next question. Can you please tell us about creating Lacana HQ and what led you to do so? Well, like I said, when Lurkana first came out, the day it got announced, I got really excited for all the reasons that I said. There may be other reasons even that I'm not mentioning now that I can't remember. But I was on vacation in Vermont, and I was like, oh man, Lurkana, it has the bones of being something great. Game-wise, you know, it has a huge IP, you know, it's collectible. If the game is at all good, then it's going to be, you know, playable if they have a casual... So I was like, I was hyped. And so I immediately thought, okay, people need a place to gather. People need a place to kind of like fall into a pole, like a little pool, and discuss the game and enjoy what's going on with the game. That needs to happen. And in the past, remember, I said that I tried to do that with Flesh and Blood, but I tried to do it under Alchemist Refuge. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to make that same mistake this time. I'm going to make it its own thing. So I'm going to start fresh accounts. And I'm going to invite people to come and be part of a community and, um, you know, uh, discuss the game. And, and let's, let's keep track of it together. Let's all get in, in a huddle and um, enjoy, like, you know, talking about the game and seeing, you know, what's going on. And so I have a lot of experience from the magic stuff and the Alchemist Refuge in building discords, right? You know, I've built discord bots and this kind of stuff. And so I built the discord. I put social media accounts up. And uh, just kind of put a little, you know, just a sign like, hey, everyone, like this is a place to gather. If you want to come, come on down and we'll uh, we'll hang out together and talk about Lorcana. That's how I created it. And then I, I noticed it started to get some traction. Some great people started to kind of circle around the community. And it's like uh, it's been pretty cool. I'm looking forward to doing more with the community and doing more things, you know, more content, more um more stuff to just to have fun you know it's part of the fun uh, all being gathered together is you can do things like game nights or you know play the game casually together through like i was gonna say spell table but like basically webcam stuff like that so yeah that's how it that's how it happened essentially as the de facto discord channel for locana are you looking forward to it exploding here around summertime when we get more information and on the verge of release so we already went through one of those growth spurts and uh it was funny because uh someone was like hey i don't remember who was talking but they were like i hope you're ready man because when this stuff drops we were at like two or three hundred people in the discord and uh d23 was coming up and they're like i hope you're ready you know when it drops this thing's gonna blow up so we went through a way we're at like close to 1400 now of uh, people in the discord and yeah i think it'll grow more i'm excited to see what comes of that Right now, there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of, I mean, we have some information. We're getting it more frequently. But um, I'm excited to see just who settles in, right? You know, who settles in as a content creator? You know, how can the Discord serve those content creators? And how can the Discord serve the community at large? Like, what can we do to help facilitate things? When D23 happened, we had special channels with people who were at D23 reporting in the channels. I don't know if you remember that. And people were saying, oh, it's, it was like I was there, you know, because I, I was just like pictures were coming in, you know, little video clips and information, you know, like, what about this or how many do they have? And so I think that kind of stuff serves the community to build that out. So I'm excited to see, you know, what's next to come. And 
I'm really pleased that people chose to pick the Lorcana HQ Discord as the de facto Lorcana Discord. And I found an effort to have our listeners to get to know you better. We have something here at Bell we would like to call Lightning McQueen's Quick Five, where we ask you five questions in quick succession, and you answer back with the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Question one. What is your favorite Disney animated canon film? Mm, Aladdin. It's probably Aladdin. Second question. What is your primary focus when it comes to Lakana? Collecting, content creation, casual play, community building, competitive play, or investing? It would be community building. Question three. What is your favorite Lakana card? I'm going to say Cruella. Cruella was the first thing that came to mind. And it's because it seems like something that it's kind of like a tempo card, it feels like. That's the kind of play style I like. So I'm going to say Cruella. Fourth question. Which Disney-owned property would you like to see get added to Lakana? I love Star Wars. I'm going to say Star Wars. But until I see what the game looks like, I don't know if I would, you know, like, I love Star Wars. Sure, I'd like to see Star Wars. But there are certain things that would serve a game and certain things that wouldn't. And so, like, Without seeing the game, I don't really know what would serve Lorcana. You know, maybe Star Wars wouldn't serve it, you know, so. And for a final question, what is one prediction you have about Lorcana's future? I think there will be multiplayer in Lorcana. I mean, I really hope there will be. If there isn't, I feel like that would be a huge missed opportunity. So I'm going to predict that there will be multiplayer. And with that, we are ready to move on to our main topic. Let's dive in. As mentioned in our intro, we are going to be talking about community, and there is no better way than to stick it off with the question, when it comes to CCGs, what does community mean to you? I don't even think we have to put it in a CCG box. To me, a community is a vehicle for love and kindness. It's a way that people can relate to each other. I think the chief end of a community is, in a sense, growth, protection, just like a place where people can connect. And when we connect, we're together as a group, we're experiencing things together, we're growing as people. So I I think like, even though it's like CCG, I think community is so much bigger than like gaming. I think gaming is the common language we use to build our communities around. It's the stuff that we can discuss. It's kind of like just a building block to build on. To me, communities just has a higher, just such a higher purpose. Just the fact that we have each other to, like I said, there's growth and there's, the reason I would use the word protection is because in some sense, like community is shelter. It's a place we go to be protected from the elements, right? In like caveman days, you know, you would stick as a community to stay safer from like danger, you know, but In our world, we go into a community to be safer from, like, uncertainty or safe from uh, being misunderstood. Because within a community, we can be understood, right? Within a community, we could be loved. We can be witnessed. I think all that stuff is very important for our soul. You know, it's very important for our mental health. I feel like God has designed people to interact, both for those reasons of protection but also for the reasons of growth. And that means like when you get a bunch of people together, they don't always see eye to eye, you know, (laughs) and there's some challenges that come up. 
and the ability to work through those challenges grow us as people, you know, for us to grow in, in empathy and understanding and get perspective from someone else's view. All of that is helpful in growth. And I think that we are divinely designed to be that way. And so when I think about community, I think about all those things and I say, how can we do that? And, and gaming is just a way, you know, gaming is the thing that keeps us here in discussing at the same table, right? When those challenges happen, gaming is the thing that we have in common that we can say, well, I still want to be in a community with this person. I still want to play with this person or discuss the game with this person. And so there's a incentive to work through some of that stuff. I put the CCG qualifier on it because in my experience, 20 years playing CCGs, there is something unique about the atmosphere of that community. And for me, to quote a TV show, famous theme song here, community is the place you go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah, like cheers. Exactly. And for me, there is just something unique about community formed against a CCG because even the casual people want to win, but at the same time, there is a passion for the game and the hobby and or the franchise that we all share. And it can cross into family. And I'm not saying that every CCG community I've been to felt like family because I think that takes time. But there is a sense that, hey, we have this thing in common and we accept each other a little bit because the truth of the matter is, is a lot of us are really competitive and we don't have the best sportsmanship. But I think when it comes to a community, we don't hold it against that person as long as that person doesn't hit you or throw stuff or whatever. It's one thing to give somebody as a silent treatment. It's another to cross into violence. But we can come to the table and we can be like, okay, that wasn't a good game, but you know what? I still want to hang out with you. I still want to talk about the latest movie or something like that. And I really love the CCG community. And that's why I put the qualifier on it because I think it's something so unique instead of like a, a chess community. I mean, we can sit and talk about chess and the aspects of it and talk about things outside of chess, but like there isn't a chess movie to talk about. It's not like, hey, have you seen the latest Queen movie? You know, I, I don't know if it's good as that Bishop movie, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think uh, some of that is, it's due to, I mean, it's very complicated, right? Why some of that exists. I think some of it is because there is such a, uh, first of all, gaming is diversion, right? Gaming is a way to kind of escape like the troubles of life or escape for a bit. You know, it's a, it's a place to kind of rest your mind from worries and whatnot. And I mean, we're not resting our mind when we're playing a TCG or whatever, but what I mean is like, it's an escape. And a lot of, I think some of the togetherness that comes from a CCG community is that People want the escape. They don't want to bring some of the topics of the day. And so some of those differences that would exist in other communities, they're not as apparent in a CCG because the focus is to leave that stuff and come into this world, you know, whatever the world is. The other thing is, is just investment. Like if you play chess, you know, you won't, won't have as much a financial investment in chess as many do in CCGs. So there's an investment of finance, an investment of time, you know, so I think these different elements make the CCG community different than let's say, you know, I've been part of a lot of like church communities. And so like 
The CCG community is different than a church community. It's for so many different reasons that are, that I'm sure that I don't understand completely, but also I can see like, yeah, there's probably different things that make each community unique. Some of them have strengths and some have weaknesses because of that. But I agree with what you're saying. It does feel different in a card game or a fandom community. Even with the game not out yet, community has already formed on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, etc. Of the following, what form do you think works best to engage with fellow community members in your experience and why? If I were to rank these just from my personal experience, I feel like Twitter is probably the best for networking, like meeting people. The worst for uh, nuanced discussion and uh, relationship building. Uh, Facebook seems to be localized. Like it feels like it's the best for local. Like if I wanted to build a Lorcana community here in the store, I would focus on Facebook rather than the other ones. And I'm just the biggest fan of Discord. I love Discord. I feel like having the opportunity to voice chat or to hang out in a voice room. People come into the voice room with you. Also chatting with them, being able to chat when you're not able to be on voice by just typing things. I'm just a huge Discord fanboy. So I feel like it's the best way to connect to the community is to be on Discord because of all this, the ways that you can communicate, whether it be audio, video, typing. It just seems like people are in the Discord all day long. Whereas I feel like Twitter, they're not seeing what's being said, you know? Same thing with Facebook. Your post kind of gets lost in whatever is happening, you know? I feel like people also, like, kind of use Facebook as, like, they prioritize, like, family or they prioritize local stuff. And they don't really use it as much for, like, a, a global thing. That has just been my experience. Now, you know, people could have different experiences than that. In my experience, I would have to say the best form for community interaction and building would have to be Discord because I appreciate the separation of topic and it is better to create topics and to be like, okay, what was said about Star Wars instead of trying to find it in like a Reddit or a Facebook style setup. As long as you don't get into those larger discords where like the separations, like the Marvel Snap Discord, can be like a little challenging because you go like, okay, go through the Snap channel and then it's like different, different forms. To me, that's a little, I get lost and disinterested, but the way that the Lokana HQ Discord and most Discords I belong to, it's easier to find a topic that I want to talk about and go to that channel and talk about it compared to like Facebook where you're just posting it and hope it gets seen. And Twitter, which is, I appreciate Twitter for the individual aspect of it. It's like the old MySpace and Facebook of old where you would like post a status update or opinion and maybe get engaged on it and give feedback where you can say something outside of the community that you belong to while also saying something to that community where you might not get that same level of engagement on Discord. But yeah, for me, my vocal is definitely towards Discord with Twitter as a second thing because sometimes I want to say an opinion on Twitter and it might not get the most likes, but I just want to say it. Where Discord, that opinion might get buried a little bit or obviously Facebook, it might be off topic or something, but yeah. I love Discord. It reminds me of the bulletin boards of old. I spent a lot of my time hanging out like in the in the OC Supertones like V Bulletin or whatever that was. It was like a bulletin board. 
And it's like Discord is like bulletin boards, basically. Like bulletin boards used to have different sections. And then you would go in the section and you would post a topic about something. The OC Supertones is a Christian ska band that I used to love. I mean, I still love them, but I mean, I used to listen to them every day. And um, I would be in there and like we would just, they had different topics and you would just chat. But like you ended up becoming friends with everybody there just because you were in there every day, you know, just hanging out, posting new things. And like, that's what Discord reminds me of, the vibe and the kind of breakdown or layout. It just reminds me of the old bulletin board communities. Following up on my last question, while it is important to have options to engage with others online with the larger community, why is it important to form and stay engaged with your local community online? My first reaction to that question is, is it important to stay connected online with your local community? I feel like the role that online communication takes in the local community is the ability to schedule, basically. One of the questions within a game store is, is anybody there? Is anyone up there playing XYZ? Is someone playing Lorcana up there? Like, I want to know that if I get there, I'm not going to be sitting by myself at a table. I want to know at least somebody is uh, someone going to be up there I can play with or trade with. I feel like doing local community communication is important for that. Uh, for the Alchemist Refuge, the store that I have here, we have a local Facebook group and people will post in there, hey, I'm going up for Commander Day. Anybody going to join? And then people will post in there, oh, yeah, I'll be there or I'll come up or, you know. And so it's just a way, I think, for them to communicate to get here. And then, like, I think all the cool stuff, like all the, the meat of community happens when they get here, right? That's when the conversations are happening. That's when the laughs are happening. When we're ordering food and hanging out and playing and laughing together and having discussions and whatnot. So, you know, whereas with a digital community, all that kind of the laughs and stuff like that is all happening digitally, right? It's happening in voice channels or in the discussion happening on Discord. I think with local, you have communication to arrange a get-together, and then all that other community-building stuff happens at the place. I am going to echo what you said a little bit in my answer, but I look at it in three primary areas. The first one is to maintain relationships with persons that you have met in person because in modern day society, it can be hard to maintain relationships with people that you don't see every day or every other day or even every month. But with the digital online experience, you're able to talk, go back and forth with that person that when you meet them in person, you don't have that connection. Yeah, that's a good point. The second area is what you mentioned is scheduling events and sharing that. Like if you have a card shop, you in today's society can get that information out. But if you don't do it online, you're probably going to get a lot of turnout, especially in a larger city like the Twin Cities area. If there is a Twin City group, which there is, and you don't post your event to that or your events, you aren't going to get a lot of people to attend outside of your local card shop community because how are they going to know? And the final one is falls into that scheduling and that's advertising. Everybody's online today. And if you advertise your shop and like I said, events, it just kind of goes along with my last reason here. 
online in a local community is the best place to do it, to advertise. You could even pay for your advertisement for your store for local people so that they can see it, so that they can go. I look at it as those three reasons are so important for that online local community connection. Right. I think you made some good points there. And um, it's an ever-growing thing. You know, there's different ways to do it, you know, different ways to get the word out and stuff like that. I actually use Nextdoor as a way to do it as well, which is just a local community app that people use with their ring cameras and stuff. But I um, I share on there as well. And that gets a, that hits a whole different demographic, which is interesting. Engaging with your local community is all good. But what about in person? What are some ways to create and stay engaged with your community in person? The biggest thing that comes to mind for me as my role here at the store is to be a little bit of um, a social buffer for people. I look at myself, like the store here, the way that I look at the community here, to me, it's a hospitality thing. You know, hospitality is one of my roles and social buffering. And what I mean by social buffering is, not everyone has the ability to come up to somebody and just say, hey, I want to play with you or, hey, let's have a conversation. That's difficult for some people to do. And so like what I like to do is put people together if they want to be together. So so I'll say, hey, you know, are you guys looking for a fourth or, you know, hey, is there room in this pod for somebody or do you mind if this person sits at this table? You know, giving people the option to say, oh, yeah, yeah, like sit down or you know, and then they form that friendship or that connection, right? Because uh, it can be really difficult when everyone's new and nobody knows anybody. And so that's one thing. And also there are situations where there are those challenges that I talked about where, oh, you know, this person and this person don't get along. Then it's the opposite, right? It's like, okay, let me see if I can put you over here. Hey, did you want to sit in the VIP room instead of over here? Or being mindful of how people, their comfort level and what's happening. You know, there's a conversation within Magic also about like power level. Like, you know, I have a pretty good idea of the local players, like what power level they play and stuff like that. And so I want to keep the experience good. And so lots of times I'll try to, you know, see who would be good with who if I get the opportunity to make sure that power levels are even and stuff like that. So I think that in general, just creating a space that is welcoming and open and then also running point on those different topics of hospitality making sure people have what they need, making sure that, that you can eliminate some of the social barriers. I think that's all important for local community building. I am going to take a different side of it. And what I am going to say may be obvious to some, but I'm still going to say it. To create and maintain local community, I think the key word here is active, being active. Talk to other people who you interact with when you go and play Commander or your card shops or people who you know that might have an interest in Disney, when in Lacana's case, to talk about, hey, have you heard about the new game? What do you think about the new game? And share with them, like not push it, but just talk about it and be present and be active. Like go to your card shop. Hey, are you interested in this game? Or you think you might care yet? If they are or aren't, hey, could we do something here for a league? Just to take it from the consumer side instead of like the card owner shop. Because, well, I think it can be a balance between, and I had this in Pokemon with the Pokemon League, 
of the store and the community leader or a community leader in building a event or a regular community. So often it is instated on the store owner, but it is important for the community members to be active and you can be active in that role without stepping up to be the community leader. But like, yeah, you just have to be active. And another thing that's so important in maintaining it is regularity. Again, going back to my experience with Pokemon League, I didn't always have the best turnout from week to week in the Pokemon League, but I made sure that I was consistently there. So if somebody came in and wanted to play Pokemon or whatever, the card shop owner could be like, yeah, we have the league on Friday nights. And you're making sure that you're there every Friday night. So that person, when they come, can see that people are there and not show up and see that nobody's there and not show up again and then you lose a community member. So, yeah, I, I think it, again, it comes down to one, two words, well, three words, being active and regularity or repetition. Yeah, I like the points you made. They're super important. As someone who's not a store owner, those are huge ways that you can help. Like, if I'm trying to get a community going at the store for Lorcana, and I have like two or three people who I can count on to show up. That's a huge thing, you know? If you tell one of your friends, hey, let's go up and hang out and play Lorcana, you know, just being in the shop. If you're going to play Lorcana, play it at the shop. If you're going to open a booster box, bring a friend and open the booster box at the shop. Like, one of the biggest things, one of the hardest things to kind of accomplish is having people at the shop because. If people know that there's going to be people there who are interested in Lorcana or who are opening Lorcana or playing Lorcana, then they'll come. But it's like a negative feedback loop if nobody's there, right? If you're doing a weekly and like nobody shows and people come up to play and then it's like, oh, there's no one here. Like we need those people who say like, I am going to be the stalwart. I am going to be the one who's going to be there every week, you know, unless something super important is going on, you know. It's like, I'm going to be there every week. Like, if it's just me, that's okay. We need the people who have that different view where it's like, I want to build this community. I'm not trying to just take from the community. And I don't mean that in a, oh man, it came off so negative when I said it. But in some sense, there are producers and there are consumers. Some people want to come up. They want to play the game with others. And then they want to leave. They don't want to be responsible for bringing others. They don't want to be responsible for building community. And that's okay. That's a consumer, right? But I feel like there's those dedicated people in the space where they're like, I want to be a producer. I want to create a space. And part of that is just being there and bringing your friends. And that's another thing is just bring a friend, find a friend that will be like, okay, with coming up and playing Lorcana with you. Cause it's so much harder to do it by yourself. If you come up by yourself, then you're just waiting for someone else. If you come up with a friend, you guys just play until, you know, you're ready to leave. You know, you, there's, you're not waiting. You're just kind of like, you're enjoying the time instead. So I like all the points that you made. And I think that it's important for people to like consider that stuff. Cause it is important for building a local community and building those local communities can be really important for Lurkana. You definitely made a important point and that is visibility. Like you said, if you have a friend that you're getting together instead of playing at home, play at the shop so people can see that when they're coming in and doing their business and stuff like that. I think that's so important. And this next question can be a topic in of itself, but there is so much debate about when it comes to community, who is responsible for it. Is it the card shop or is it the community members? I feel like we could talk about that in a whole episode of itself, 
I don't think there is a simple answer to that question. I think it is both. It's not just one. And it is such a complex issue that you just cannot sit back and have the responsibility put on one side or the other. I think it is a mutual relationship when it comes to building a community. And I think if you are not a card shop owner, it is important to incorporate the community members and vice versa because it's not just one place or the other. Because I, I would assume that some people probably have some opinions about that where they lean one way or the other. And I, I don't think you can do that. I think it's, it's like building a, a game. You, you just can't cater to the casual players or the competitive players or the investors. You have to acknowledge all of it. I mean... Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I have different feelings about that. But um, what I will say is that if you're asking that question, who is responsible, then I feel like you've already lost. You've lost the game. If you're saying like, well, it's the card shop who's responsible or the card shop's like, well, it's the community, then you've already lost. Like you're not invested enough to make it happen. If you're trying to point whose responsibility is the kind of community that's going to be successful is someone who says, I want there to be a community. I'm going to set out to make their community, whether that be a card shop owner or a person in the community. It just doesn't matter. Like you can do it. You can make a community happen locally. It just depends on how much you're willing to devote, how much time you're willing to devote and how uh, committed are you to that. If your chief end is to create a community, uh, then you can do that. I feel like if you're saying, I want there to be a community, but I want someone else to do it. Like if you're a card shop owner and you're being like, oh, I want to have a Lorcana community, I really hope the players build it, <laughs> then yeah, you're not going to have one. And if you're a player and you're like, man, I, I, I really hope my card shop owner does something about Lorcana, you're probably not going to get it. You have to go after it. Exactly. You, you have to be, again, coming back to the word active. And that's basically the way I was looking at it. Like you can't just sit back if you're on one side and say all the other side has to do it. You have to be active regardless of which side of the fence or whatever you want to classify it as. That's basically what I was saying. Every CCG, in my experience, has a different feeling to its community. Of the ones that you have engaged with, which one has been your favorite and which one would you like to see Lorcana mimic? Whew, I'm to get myself in trouble with this answer. Um, but there was a time where I streamed Pokemon TCG. And it was one of my first experiences with streaming. And that community was awesome. The Pokemon TCGO community was very welcoming. They promoted everyone. The big streamers promoted the small streamers. Everyone was chill. Everyone was trying to help each other out. We were all having a good time with the game. Not a lot of negativity or drama or stress. It was a great community. And that was one of my best experiences. So let me put it that way. I'm not going to say which is the best community because I think for everyone, their experience is different. But like my experience with the Pokemon TCGO community was one of the best experiences I've had with a community. I hope Lorcana takes a page out of that. And I do see that happening with content creators now where everyone's kind of starting out and like the people who were like OG, I guess, you know, from, <laughs> I don't know, a few months ago or whatever, they're trying to help newer people sharing their content and everyone enjoying each other's content. I feel like that vibe is, is a really good vibe where it's a, uh, a cooperative vibe instead of a competitive vibe, and I, I like it. In my experience, the best personal experience I have had in a CTG community 
and obviously it varies from person to person, was also the Pokemon community, except I'm talking about the CCG side of it instead of the online version of it. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. It really felt like you were interacting with families. It was generational. There was a competitive side to it, but there was also a casual side. To me, it has everything that I look forward to in a card game community. And while I do enjoy and have enjoyed being a part of other CCG communities, I really enjoyed my time with the Pokemon community. And if I had to magically pick a direction for Locana, it would be the way that Pokemon built its communities and how community members interact with each other. But I also caveat that with it's been a while since I've been a part of the Pokemon community, so I don't know if it has retained that. But to me, like I really enjoyed traveling with people, and obviously you do that for other card games, but it really felt like a, you were seeing old friends and family members. And I think that comes with, not that you can't have that in other card communities, but I think that comes with generations. Because like I said, you were interacting with a lot of families. You had the parents who are hosting events or playing events with their kids, and you can have that in other communities, but with Pokemon being so old, you had people who played Pokemon in early 2000 who have kids of their own now doing it. And you have that in Magic, too, but I think Magic is a... I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but I, I just think that this is something unique about Pokemon that I'm not going to say Magic doesn't have, but in my experience, in my interaction, I notice in Pokemon. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I will leave it at that. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna delve into like the thing. I don't want to do is say negative things about different communities because I feel like every community has its strong suit and different benefits. And I appreciate and love the Magic: The Gathering community because that's kind of what Alchemist Refuge has been built around, and uh, is basically you know granted me my livelihood. So I appreciate and enjoy the Magic the Gathering community. Everyone in the Magic the Gathering community will tell you, though, it's not perfect. There are definitely things in the community that could use some recalibration. Yeah, I was walking up to the line myself, but I didn't want to cross it because there are positives to every community. And I don't want to rag on any community because who am I to say something? You know, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! I played Magic. I played Star Wars Destiny, Pokemon, you know all these communities and i'm just talking about my personal experience sure it's hard when you're talking about value judgments right about which one is the most enjoyable which one you know i think they like again we can enjoy them all and it's it's a good thing that they exist and i appreciate i'm deeply appreciate the magic community for everything that they've done for me and and i will continue to serve that community because you know magic is one of my favorite games so you know no shade no shade at all Wrapping up our topic for this episode, we are going to switch gears and conclude with two listener questions for just you, Medina. Both of these questions come from Jed from the Citizens of Lakana podcast, aka The Mean Guy. His first question is, as a card shop owner, how are you planning on building a Lakana community? Well, first, shout out to Jared, an absolute champion, man. Whew. This guy, what I'm talking about being dedicated and committed to the cause, I mean, memeing every day until we get Lorcana news, that was epic. And uh, I can say truly that 
he has been one of the most engaged people when it comes to Lorcana bar none. So I'm really so glad that he's part of the community and I'm hyped to see what's in the future for Jared. So thank you, Jared, for the question. And uh, thank you for being one of the most engaged Lorcana fans out there. As a card shop owner, how are you planning to build a Lorcana community? Uh, well, there's a couple of things that are important. The first thing is product. You can't build a community without product. So I am going to fight as hard as I can to fill this whole building with Lorcana product, booster boxes, decks, all that kind of good stuff, and singles. The plan is, unless something totally wild happens, the plan is to have a full Lorcana singles inventory like I do for Flesh and Blood and Magic the Gathering. So that's the first thing is product and, you know, availability, have stuff. Second thing is host learn to play events host casual events things where people who are just learning could come out they play flat prize structure where everybody gets something for coming out the other way is just me my interest you know i'm gonna have my own decks and they're probably gonna be all foiled out i'll have a deck at the shop and if somebody wants to play and it's slow i'll sit down and play with the person i'm gonna hang up my d23 set right at the cash register where people can see it. This is the Lorcana D23 set. I have the Mickey card in my case right now so people could see it and I could tell people, hey, Lorcana's come. Have you heard of the new Disney card game? It's coming out. Those are the ways that I plan to build a community. And I'm a very iterative person. So what I do is I try something and then if it doesn't work, I try it in a different way. My goal is I'm committed to trying to build a Lorcana community I'm going to try a bunch of stuff. And then if it doesn't work, I'm going to try a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll get frustrated and just be like, ah, I can't do it. But I think it's going to work. I think we'll get there. His next and final question is, what advice do you have for those who aren't a card shop owner but want to build a Lorcana scene in their own community? We talked about this before, and I'll just recap. Be at the card store with Lorcana cards as much as you can. That is the best advice I can give you for building a local community because the community needs a common place to meet. If there's a specific store where they know, I can go to that store and a lot of times there's people there playing Lorcana or hanging out, opening Lorcana. That is a huge boon for the community because it connects people to a place and that's the place. So the first thing is the thing you yourself can do is be at the store with Lorcana cards and a friend as much as you can. If you can't bring a friend, just be there as much as you can. The second thing is get with your store owner and tell them, we want this product and we will support it. Look, I'm going in. Like, nobody needs to tell me we want Lorcana. <laughs> we're getting Lorcana. Like, you know, whether they ask or not, I'm going for it. But like, not all store owners are like that, you know? Many store owners are reserved, they're conservative, they don't want to bring a new game, they don't want to try. So do your best to talk with them and say, look, make it easy for them. Don't buy, you know, look, I don't want to be this guy. I'm never this guy. But let me put it this way. If you're buying your Lorcana from your local game store, they are going to be more incentivized to carry Lorcana. If you're buying your Lorcana from Amazon and telling your local game store, you got to support Lorcana. That's going to be real difficult sell for the store owner. Again, not me. I don't care where you buy Lorcana. Buy it wherever. But like, I'm going to have a bunch of it. And I'm going to, it's going to be for sale. And I'll, I'll 
you know, I'll be building a community here no matter what happens. But what I'm saying is not all game store owners are like that. They need to be incentivized to do it. They've done this a million times. I've been in the industry for a long time. I've helped with a lot of local game stores. And this always happens. A new game comes out. The store owner buys a bunch of it. They set a price. And people are like, I'm going to buy it over here. And it just sits on their shelf. Then they stop supporting it. And then people are like, well, what happened? How come you don't? Well, because, you know, the local game store needs shelf space. And they need, you know, they need a reason to have that game on the shelf. If you're telling them, like, if they translate, hey, support Lorcana as, hey, buy a bunch of Lorcana to sit on your shelf and then later sell it at a loss, they're not interested in that. But if you ask them, hey, when can I pre-order Lorcana? Can I pre-order my boxes now? Can I give you money right now for it? That's a different question than, hey, will you support this game? Ask about pre-orders. Try to let them know that you are incentivizing them to carry the game and build a community around it. Tell them, I will host a learn to play. You don't have to do anything. I'll come up, I'll host a learn to play. Those kind of things to get your game store on track in the bubble. And with that, that will conclude our main topic. It is now time for our listener questions, where we answer questions that were submitted to us via our social media page and the Lakana HQ Discord channel. Unfortunately, we do not have any questions besides the ones submitted to us by Jed which were answered in our last segment. So we are going to move right along into Mokana. Mokana is a segment where we focus on one card and share three facts about that character and or franchise behind that card. For this episode, we are going to share with you three facts behind Olaf, Friendly Snowman. Fact one, there are currently three programs currently on Disney Plus centered around Olaf, one of which is Olaf Presents. Olaf Presents is centered around Olaf retelling Disney classic in the style of him retelling stories in Frozen 2. The Disney classics that are covered in this style are The Little Mermaid, Moana, The Lion King, Aladdin, and Tangled. Highly recommend you check them out if you haven't already. Fact 2. The character of Olaf went through many iterations before becoming the lovable snowman we all know and love today. In fact, Lovable wasn't even his original personality. When the story was in its early stages, Olaf was actually going to be one of the guards in Elsa's palace. Fact 3. Before in summer, Olaf had a song titled Hot Hot Ice, which was eventually scrapped. That concludes our main show, but before we get out of here, we would like to take this time to thank our patrons. Thank you, Austin, Jason, and Tim. We could not do what we do without your support. If you, listener, would like to become a patron and support us, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Destiny for more information. That will wrap up this episode of Ivy Bell. Thank you, Medina, for coming on and talking with me about Lorcana. I appreciate our conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you will come on again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the conversation and the questions. Love talking about community. Love talking about Lorcana. I appreciate it. If people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they do so? Oh my gosh. I have so many social media accounts. How about this? Just follow Lorcana HQ on Twitter at Lorcana HQ. Also, uh, keep your eyes on alchemistrefuge.shop. I'm really excited. We're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to put our first Lorcana product up, I guess you could call it. But basically, we have a playmat that we commissioned art for. 
basically the art is the banner on the Lorcana HQ Discord and the banner on our Twitter and stuff like that. It's awesome, awesome piece of artwork. It's a family kind of just looking at the uh, Illuminarium. Is it Illuminarium? I don't know if I'm saying that right. But um, they're looking at it, and it's kind of like off in the distance. And that's how I feel like Lorcana's coming. It's a little bit off in the distance, but it's on the way. So we're going to have a playmat of that, and uh, people will be able to purchase that from alchemistrefuge.shop. So follow Lorcana HQ. We'll, we'll announce it on there. And if you're on the Discord, get in the Discord. I definitely recommend that, and I am going to definitely check out that playmat for sure because uh, it, it's beautiful, and it would look even beautiful in front of me. <laughs> and you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl, and you can find Irie Bell everywhere at Irie Bell Destiny. Till our next episode, take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time. Jedi Geek Girl, out. This has been Irie Bell. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at irebelldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you. Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Disney or any other organization. All copyrights belong to the proper copyright holders. <laughs>